Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome into Truth or Fiction Tuesday. Yes, it is back. It is better than ever. It is myself, Andrew Coppins. It is himself, at least uh, you still identify as man, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't want to assume your gender, Pat. Dude. Because Pat is a very gender neutral name. Yes, but Patrick is not. Are you sure? That is my full name. And... Uh, don't wear it out. I also, I don't, you're looking right at me, so you know I, I have this thing. It's a, it's, it's called a beard. That don't mean diddly poo these days, but I mean, th- th- while that might be true, you and I know better. You of all people should know better. What you trying to say, Pat? What I'm saying is, is that you're supposed to be this smart guy that understands what gender is and what gender isn't. So this is actually something, Patrick, if you yes. would have uh, paid attention to the show last week that I that I addressed in the uh, segment on what is a woman, um, uh-huh. the documentary from Matt Walsh that is breaking all sorts of records. It's absolutely insane. It's the most watched online documentary of all time, by the way. What? Um, what? Here's the thing. Do you know how how sad that is? Really? No, no, I think it's a good thing, actually, Pat. It, it, no, what I'm saying is it, it is a good thing that it is, it is a, a highly watched documentary. Don't get me wrong. That, that's not what I'm saying. The The sad part is, is that we actually have to question what is a woman. See, I addressed that uh-huh. and why this documentary was important is not because it exposes the insanity, right? What it does is it highlights the fact that there are two quote-unquote realities, right, that that exist in our culture writ large. And it's literally 
objective reality versus subjective reality. That's it. That, that's all you need to know from this documentary is that Matt Walsh proves to you that there are two things in this world, objective reality and subjective reality, and they cannot coexist. You cannot have subjective reality. That doesn't work. It, it, it cannot and it will not work. The only thing it will work towards is destroying a society from inside. It will rot a society because I cannot go around. You can't go around in a world in which the person next to you lives in an alternative universe and you must accept that universe as reality. And we see it time after time after time when he asks the simple question and when he talks to the professor, and, and I don't know if I still have it here. Let me, okay, good news is I do actually have this available to us. Um, so give me one second here and let's take a look at this. That we've well, I'm not even talking about social context. I'm just, I'm just trying to start by getting to the truth, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm really uncomfortable with that language of like getting to the truth again. In social why, why life, is that, why is that uncomfortable? Because that it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me. Um, and, if you, and if you keep probing, we're going to stop the interview. I, if I probe about what the truth is, you keep invoking the word truth, which is condescending and rude. I'm saying how to is, you, how is the word truth condescending and rude? Why don't you tell me what your truth is? And you're walking on thirty seconds more of the ice before I get up. What my truth? <laughs> what the hell was that? Right. So that's what I'm talking about here. Right. And, and that's why I'm teasing you about this, because this is literally a socio, um a gender studies soci sociology professor. OK. And he can't tell you what truth is. You cannot possibly live in a society in which that is OK. So. Yesterday, Pat, I had posited on Twitter, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I had posited on Twitter, um, we wondered if winning or owning the wokes is worth becoming an authoritarian, right? And that's what we had talked about on the show yesterday. Right. And the responses that I got were, well, you just cannot live and let live your way out of the cult. Um you know, the, the cult of woke and their religion of dominance over us. You either fight back or accept your chains. And, and, and I think I need to clarify something. I'm not talking about not fighting back. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is you do not become your enemy to beat your enemy, you become better than your enemy to beat your enemy. Can you meet them on the same playing field? Yes. That is why Matt Walsh's documentary is important, because Matt Walsh did what? He met them on their playing field. And he exposed them for the utter insanity that comes out of their mouth. That is winning. Because 
when you present that to most Americans, most Americans go, what the absolute hell are you talking about? Right? I mean, I, I certainly would hope so. And the vast majority of Americans think that stuff is crazy. So to those individuals who think, well, you, you must fight, 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 and, and you know, um, go full-on authoritarian, are you suggesting that we long march through the institutions ourselves? Because here's the rub on that. It took them 60 years to get here. It won't take 60 years for them to take over. We have six months, maybe 60 months. So I mean, do, do we, I do understand? Really yeah, we don't even know. Yeah. We have a president of the United States who gaslights us on a daily basis. Like, doesn't even give us a modicum of truth on a daily basis. We have a Congress who gaslights us on a daily basis, a Senate who is gaslighting us on a daily basis, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in Truth or Fiction. Now, I, I also got this response on Twitter from uh, HeCat's Ghost. We've gone past the point where we, we play nice and win. We play nice and we will be destroyed. It's a problem. The tyrant on our side will have to be destroyed eventually, but it must happen or we perish. So we must accept the tyrant in order for us to win what? I don't think you understand what we're actually fighting. We are fighting not just a tyranny of socialism. We are not just fighting a tyranny of wokeism. We are fighting tyranny. And anywhere that tyranny exists is a threat to your freedom. That doesn't matter if it comes from the GOP, if it comes from your favorite politician, or if it comes from your mortal enemy. Let me be abundantly clear on this, Pat. Anywhere that tyranny exists, it must be fought. Period. Point blank. To suggest that, well, we have to accept this tyrant because he's owning the libs right now. That's the problem with Ron DeSantis. He loves to own the libs using your money, your tax dollars, and becoming the tyrant of Florida. He loves it. What do you think is going to happen with that individual when he becomes the president of the United States of America? He isn't going, he is eventually going to turn that tyranny on you. You fight tyranny wherever it exists. If you believe in liberty. Now, again, the point I made yesterday with Ron DeSantis is it is not about the $35 million, right? 
I simply said he should have just said, no, thank you. We're not spending that money given the broader economic climate in America. We're, we're not in a position to be able to spend that money. I'm going to save that money for the people of Florida and shut the hell up, even if he internally believes that this is about politics, right? But no, what did he do? He came out and admitted that this was because of their stance on gun control from the Tampa Bay Rays. You can do two things at the same time. Stop the money and then say they don't represent the values of the vast majority of Floridians. But the other argument we have made with tyranny, Pat, has been what? People love it. It is the human nature to love control and to be controlled. It is why the American experiment, if you want to call it that, or the ideal of America is uncommon, is exceptional, because it is the exception to the rule of all of human history. It is the exception. The rule has been feudalism. The rule has been monarchy. The rule has been communism. The rule has been control, control, control over people, populations, and space or land, if you will. That has been our history as a species, right? The only three times in human history that this has really ever been tried and somewhat successfully done was in Athenian Greece, where they had direct democracy, Roman Republicanism, and American Republicanism. That's it. The rest of all of human history, recorded history, is not freedom. It is tyranny. So I don't accept the, we deal with the tyrant when the, the war is won. Because by the time the war is won, the tyrant will rule you. And there ain't a damn thing that you're going to be able to do about it. Because tyrants are representative of the spirit of the age. And the spirit of the age is demonic. And that's why we use the term spirit of the age. It is a euphemism. It is a representation of of demonic power at work. So, liberty versus tyranny, and I don't care where it comes from. It's why I don't like Mitch McConnell. It's why I hate Kevin McCarthy. Because they would just as assume to be tyrannical if they had the power to do so. If they had their druthers, the tyranny of those two individuals would look much the same as the tyranny of Joseph Marionette Biden. So are we supposed to accept those individuals? Oh, they're rhinos, right, Pat? They're, they're, they're the enemy. So are people who would believe in their own power to usurp, 
I want to live in a society, Pat, in which, guess what? The person who says repeal the Second Amendment can stand right next to the person who says Second Amendment, Second Amendment for Evs. The organization gets, they have that ability just the same as Chick-fil-A has the ability to shut down on Sunday because of uh, religion. They have the ability, the same ability as Hobby Lobby, right? To use their voice for religious and moral purposes. Oh, that version is cool, right? That version of speech with Ron DeSantis is cool. But if you speak not something illegal, but something you politically don't like, I'm going to take your toys away? That's literally, literally how Adolf Hitler took over. Not just the, the, the genocide, not just the blaming of the Jews, not just all of that. He began by, I'm going to take away your toys if you don't toe my political line. It is equally as wrong as the drag queen story hour forced the kids to watch. It is equally as wrong as the left trying to claim that religion is bigotry. It is equally as wrong as Joe Biden trying to put gun control in action, right? It is equally as wrong. Two wrongs do not make a right, whether that is politics or not. So I hope, I hope when you listen, or if you listened yesterday, that you get that point. Uh, did, I don't know if I didn't make it clear enough yesterday or what. But if you believe that the tyrant on your side is okay, but the tyrant on the other side is not, you're doing it wrong. There's no way you win in the end. Sure, you might win the battle, right? You might beat the tyrant on the left. But you still have the tyrant on the right, and he ain't going anywhere. Or she. Or it. Or Zzers him. It ain't going anywhere. Tyranny is evil, period. Makes me think of the question of why should I trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away versus 3,000 tyrants one mile away? Yeah, that is very, very true. Our founding fathers knew this. So excuse me if I don't want Ron DeSantis, the I hate your political opinion, so I'm going to use money to screw you. That's not right. We have to be right and better than our opponent. We have to do that because we have to represent something different. Doesn't mean we don't get down and dirty. It doesn't mean we don't fight. It doesn't mean that we um, expose their hypocrisy and their bigotry and their utter insanity. And that, again, is why Matt Walsh's documentary is so important. And that's why it's important to understand you're dealing in objective reality. They deal in subjective reality. How do you fight that battle? You're not on the same playing field most of the time. It's not live and let live. It is you need to recognize what the enemy is and then how to destroy it. 
For instance, in Top Gun, right? You saw Top Gun Maverick, correct? I did. Okay. So by now, if you haven't seen it, um, I don't know how I can help you. In fact, I might go see it a second time here um, in the next week or so uh, because I thought it was that spectacular. But it's like that. It's like the Death Star moment, right? In Star Wars. You have to know the plan. You have to know where the weakness is. And then you have to precisely hit it so that the rest explodes. Otherwise, just shooting around the outside does nothing for you. That's why it's important to understand the weakness is their subjective reality. You continue to expose that they don't deal in reality. There's nothing objective about what they do. They continue to move and move and move the goalposts in whatever direction, in whatever situation fits their narrative. Now, speaking of all of that, Pat, um, one of the things that they continue to move the goalposts on is gun control, right? You want to talk about giving an inch and they'll take a mile. I mean, we've seen that for years now, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But over the weekend, Pat, I, I, I noticed a pattern here. Here in Chicago, there was a mass shooting. In Philadelphia, Omaha. Um, I think there was one in, in Texas, um, either San Antonio or El Paso. I think it was El Paso. Um, I could name at least a half a dozen or more cities in the United States of America that had a mass shooting. Any of them make any sort of national headlines if you didn't pay attention to quote-unquote right-leaning media? Nope. Philadelphia had a shooting. 14 people injured, three dead, on one of the busiest nightlife spots in the entire city. Anybody give a shit? Nope. Why? Two reasons. It wasn't kids, and it wasn't white people. Just that simple. It's not sensational. The lives of the three black people who passed away in Philadelphia didn't matter to the the mainstream media. Why? Because they can't sensationalize it, because it didn't come from that dreaded AR-15, right, Pat? Turns out that it was a... It was a handgun. Turns out that in all of the mass shootings I mentioned, it was a handgun. It was minorities. Doesn't fit the narrative. Because if you banned the AR-15 like they want you to to do, this still would have happened. Turns out. Weird, huh? There was another mass shooting that we mentioned yesterday. I don't know if you had a chance to to check it out yet. But... um, In Nigeria, terrorists massacred 50 or more Christians. The number is at least 50, by the way. It could be more. I haven't been able to see the the total death toll. While sitting in church, the terrorists rode up on motorcycles and began shooting those who showed up for mass at St. Francis Catholic Church in the town of Owa or O-W-O, oh wow. Explosives 
were also reportedly used in the attack. Reuters reported that a doctor at a hospital in Owau, uh, or Owu, told, uh, told Reuters that at least 50 bodies had been brought into two hospitals in the town from the attack. The doctor, who declined to be named because he's not authorized to speak to the press, also said there were a need for blood donations to treat the injured. Now, why does this not get mentioned, Pat? Number one, it's in a foreign country. Number two, again, huh, doesn't doesn't fit the, the narrative. Because, also because it's in a foreign country, it's really hard to sensationalize it with people here. Ah, there's also another reason, Pat. Huh. And I mentioned this briefly yesterday. <clears throat> According to the Daily Wire, guns are strictly regulated in Nigeria with citizens having, quote, no legal right to gun ownership. No legal right to gun ownership. And, quote, civilians are banned from owning handguns, military rifles, or machine guns. <coughs> oh, so wait a minute, wait a minute. Can they have any guns in Nigeria? There's no legal right to gun ownership. So there's no legal right to gun ownership, and then we have this major, major mass shooting in Nigeria. Now, licenses can be obtained from the police for double-barreled shotguns and hunting guns. So those are the only guns that you can own. And why? Because in Nigeria, large parts of the country are very rural, right? Right. And there is a hunter-gatherer society. There are still lots of tribes in Nigeria, right? This isn't a fully... Um, westernized society, if you will, right? So right. hunting is still a very much practiced thing. But permission for this has been suspended recently because of the security situation, right? We know that Boko Haram, we know about the terrorist attack in the northern part of the country. This wasn't in the northern part of the country. That's what makes this incredible. <clears throat> Has our president come out and said anything about that? Nope. Our nope. president couldn't even be bothered to have, for the second year in a row, by the way, Pat, mentioned D-Day, which was yesterday, uh, the 78th anniversary of it. Yep. He is the only president since, well, the end of World War II that has not formally recognized in some manner, way, shape, or form the anniversary of D-Day. Why? Because D-Day represents American exceptionalism. It really does. Because some 30, was it 3,200 Americans, something of that nature, passed away and perished on D-Day? Storming uh, the beaches? Not to mention it's one of the more famous battles of World War II, but hey. Yeah, it was 3,184 3, dead, of which 1,465 were American on D-Day. By the way, if you've never read Eisenhower's speech on D-Day, you really should. His speech to the, to the people is amazing. And furthermore, the speech that he also wrote in case D-Day was not successful, because let's remember, there was no guarantee that that thing was going to work. Is equally remarkable from Eisenhower. 
equally remarkable. It was an amazing feat that that thing even worked because we also know the stories of of the parachute, um, the airborne divisions missing their mark by tens of miles, right? And that causing all sorts of problems. How they were able to win D-Day is an absolute study in American courage, American exceptionalism, and yes, the help of the British and and, uh, the French uh, forces that were available at the time as well. But this was an American idea. This wasn't a British idea. You can't do that, right? You can't highlight that. But I also go back to we can't even have a discussion on guns that doesn't move the goalposts because we just have a we just have a shooting in Nigeria in which literally you don't own a gun if you're if you are a law-abiding citizen in Nigeria right you can't own a gun right now in fact you can't even buy or purchase or own a hunting rifle or a double-barreled shotgun except for if you owned it prior to their shutting it down right Right. So I want you to think about that. That is an unarmed society that just watched 50 plus people get slaughtered like sitting ducks in a church. Contrast that with what we know about the defense of use of firearms in this country, saving thousands of lives every year. That is a documented fact. Look it up. Steven Crowder has all of it. Um, Well-documented fact. Not, not to mention the good guy with the gun in um, that um, horrific shooting in Texas, not Uvalde, but uh, another place in Texas, where a good guy with a gun confronted the bad guy after he left the, the church, right? Who was going to, to murder more people in the town and shot him dead. Stopped the carnage as as fast as possible. We've also seen um, the shooters be wounded with armed security in churches or people who are just, you know, people in church with guns, concealed carry permits, right? They don't want to highlight that in Nigeria. They don't want to highlight the, 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 Shootings in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in El Paso, and blah, 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 where gun control is a thing. You can own a handgun here in Chicago. You you used to not be able to. Until the Supreme Court said, yeah, yeah no, 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 hey, yeah, you can. You, you can't buy one in the city. You've got to go miles out of town to get one. The whole point I'm bringing up here is that they don't they don't want to deal with reality. They don't want to deal with objective reality. They just want to feel good. They want the subjective reality of if I just do something, then I get to go feel good and I get to go back to my life. Am I missing something here? No, no. In fact, that that was actually the point I was just about to make is that this whole argument of gun control is another argument of objective and subjective realities. 
what we're seeing, and I was actually explaining this to my wife last night, what we're seeing, whether it's Nigeria or Philadelphia or Texas, or I mean, pick your place. It doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. We're not seeing an argument for gun control. We're seeing an argument for reasons to carry. You know, that that's where I am. I mean, you, you just used yeah. that uh, example of the guy in Texas of, of stopping the shooter. Right? Yeah, and I, and, and I mean, you we have the story in Uvalde, right, about the uh, right. the the Border. the man who um, was working at the funeral home where right by where oh, the yeah. guy crashed his vehicle, right, right, and his wife uh, brought him a gun, and the police stopped him. What the hell? The police didn't neutralize the target either. By the way. They yeah. somehow this target got away from the police. So they were well aware that this was going to happen. It is that's the tragic part of all of this, the absolute and utter failure of it. Now, could you point to that and say, well, well, um, more guns don't work? They're not a foolproof. Nobody is saying that. But it gives right. you a better opportunity than being the sitting duck that you were in that church in Nigeria, right? Oh, let's ban knives then. Are you are we banning cars because uh the guy in Waukesha, you know, killed individuals using a car. Right. He committed mass murder with a car. He committed mass murder with a with a knife. Whatever. Are are we going the illogical nature of all of this is insane to me. Can we do better by people who have mental health issues? Absolutely. Let's have that discussion, but you don't want to actually have it because to do so would be to realize that you can't just violate their constitutional rights because you might feel better. That doesn't work either. These people are entitled to the same rights that you and I are. And what's to say tomorrow you don't become some something triggers in your brain that you never knew existed and you don't become mentally incompetent? Do you want, do you want to be treated justly or looked down upon? Now, having said all of that, Pat, I think it is time for us to have a little bit of fun here. Just a little bit. You want to play the B or not the B? While Pat sneezes his way through that, apparently he does. Yes, yes, I do. I really do want to play. Yeah, no, because we didn't yesterday. Shows how out of practice we were together. Right? (laughs) All right. It is time for the B or not the B. And with that, <clears throat> I say this. Houseplant-in-Chief doubles down, saying he has overseen the most widespread economic recovery America has ever experienced. Is that the B or not the B, Pat? One more time. Houseplant-in-Chief doubles down, saying he has overseen the most widespread economic recovery America has ever experienced. While you are thinking about that, please make sure you visit our fine friends at American Pride Roasters. I know we haven't talked about them in a while, but uh, uh, DMX and DM Dave is up and running on a limited basis. And uh, so if you feel so inclined, uh, please go ahead and patronize American Pride Roasters. Uh, I'm getting low on my American Pride Roasters as we speak. Um, So I think I might be ordering um, sooner rather than later. And uh, we're hoping to get Dave on the program sooner rather than later as well. Uh, but uh, 
Your answer. The bee or not the bee, Pat? You said houseplant in chief? Mm-hmm. Man, I, I, I so badly want to choose the Babylon Bee here. I really do. But I could see this being a not the bee headline. Well, I'm just going to let this speak for itself. Part of the reason I ran for president is because I was tired of trickle-down economics. It doesn't work. My plans are to produce the strongest, fastest, most widespread economic recovery America has ever experienced. With record jobs, new record small businesses, and wages rising. It's the foundation for an economy that works for working families. Because of that foundation, we're better positioned than any country in the world to overcome global inflation that we're seeing and reach a new chapter of stable and steady growth. So let's come together and focus on what's matter, on what matters. Let's build on the extraordinary progress we've made. Let's continue to build this economy from the bottom up and the middle out. When that happens, everybody does well, including the very wealthy. <laughs> um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes, Mr. Panoni, you, you have some thoughts? I don't I don't think I don't think he, he keeps on using those words. I don't think it means what he says it means. Secondly, how many times does he have to flip a page while he's speaking? <laughs> I know I noticed that too uh, when I first saw it. That was my like initial takeaway, dude. Dude, you're you're supposed to be looking at a teleprompter. What the hell? Well, yeah, what what the hell are you doing? Um, secondly, um, did, does it count if? Um, that, that you've created jobs when 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 people either went out of business, lost their business, however you want to say it, during the pandemic, and then somehow miraculously came back. Yeah, and, we we still have not that. recovered all of the forty million right. lost jobs. We're close, right. we have, by the way. We are close. So I right. will give credit where credit is due. But but but, but is it really gaining jobs if no. like, some of those jobs are coming back? Is my point. No. And it also matters what kind of jobs are coming back, right? Right. Um, so we could go down that road. We could also go down the road of the uh, wage growth. Wages are not growing. Wages no, are. are up, but they're not growing. Because your $15 an hour wage of a year ago doesn't buy you nearly as much stuff. More importantly, inflation at 8%, even if you were to grow a 4% increase in your um, salary, you're still 4% behind inflation. So wage growth is happening because inflation is happening. I hope people understand that. It is only happening because of what is happening with inflation. <clears throat> so congratulations. This is this this speech right there, that, that 35, 40 seconds, that's pure gaslighting of America. There's not even just fudging around the numbers. That's just literally lying. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, wages are up, except for they don't outpace inflation. That's a problem. Why did it matter, Pat, <clears throat> in the last, I would say from maybe March or April, of 2020 to March or April of 2021 that wages had 
actually increased. Because people had more buying power, right? Right. Yeah. Um, we actually did have a very strong economy going. We had real wage growth for the first time in about 50 years um, pre-COVID. We had been recovering to the point where I've been harping on this. Here in Chicago, the the city, housing prices have been about 11 to 15%, depending on what segment of the market you're in, okay? And this is me speaking as a realtor here, licensed in Illinois. I, I have to do that every single time by law. It gets really annoying. Uh, but at 11% increase in, in housing prices here in the city, people's wages were increasing by about 14%. So they were actually gaining and in, in using that money to be able to have more buying power. And furthermore, what has happened in the broader economy, Pat? The people who had the economic benefits like I did, because I was one of those 40 million people, right? I was actually making more money for a while, um, not working and being able to collect that unemployment than I was working. Now that can say to you, well, get better skills, except for I was actually building better skills, right? And I was actually building out uh, an entire department within my company by myself. Now those benefits were gone as of October of last year, right? Right. So now we've hit the cyclone, if you will, or the hurricane that's coming, if you will, because those individuals who squirreled away the money, the extra money that they were earning, if you were smart, have now had to tap into that, right? Because gas prices are up. In California, it's almost $10 a gallon for premium unleaded. It's $9.49 a gallon um, in most of California right now. Here in Illinois, it's over $5 a gallon. And we're, we all now must bow down to J.P. Pritzker for suspending the gas tax increase that um, they put into law that said um, every single year we get to do that. We're, we're better positioned, Pat, as a society, according to Joseph Marionette Biden. We're better positioned as a society to deal with inflation than any other country in the world. What is the other thing that um, literally almost no outlet, including the Daily Wire, by the way, including right-leaning sites, the vast majority of them, I had to go to zero hedge to find this story. What happened over the weekend, Pat? Do you know? When it, when it comes to our economy and debt. Um. Well, I mean, didn't didn't all that get worse? <laughs> well, of course it did, but but how? Uh was 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 the debt ceiling raised? You are correct. The debt ceiling was raised by another <clears throat> 2.5 trillion dollars. Where how did we come up with that extra 2.5 trillion dollars, Pat? Um, well, you know, there, there's that tree in the uh, 
Federal Reserve that just uh, grows money like crazy. Oh, you mean we printed even more money? So, so we have an inflation problem because for the past really almost ten years, yeah, you have to go back to the the crash of two thousand and seven, eight, and look at really that we've been flooding the market for abs at this point. So for at least what almost fifteen years now. We've just been printing money after printing money to deal with the problem, right? We've never dealt with the structural issues. We've never lived within our means, right? No. We raised the debt ceiling by $2.5 trillion. How is that possible, Pat, considering we know what, what about the GOP? They oppose debt ceiling limits, right? Or raising right. the debt ceiling. They, they've broadly opposed it. So how the hell did that happen? Because in order to do so procedurally in the Senate, you must pass with 60 votes. Um, well, I mean, you also have people like uh, Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski that, that, that would likely vote for something like this. Okay. Well, what if I told you the uh, wonderful Ditch McConnell got Oh, yeah, the, he would do it too. The, the wonderful uh, Chuck Schumer. Yeah, yeah. And came to an agreement on a one-time suspension of the rules. This passed on 50 votes. But wait a minute. Wouldn't you need at least 51? Oh, of course. Kamala Harris broke the tie. So... Somebody did something that they weren't supposed to do. Yeah, mainly Mitch McConnell. Now, why right. would the GOP want to do this, Pat? Why? Why uh, would they why would they agree to this suspension of the rules? And why would they agree to it for this thing? Why is this not the the Alamo, if you will? Or maybe the Alamo is a really bad analogy because they, they lost. Maybe this right. actually is a good analogy. Either way. Um, I, in my head, it's almost like one of those acceptable surrender situations to be able to say, hey, we're an election year and we work together. No. 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 Number one, you're right. It is election year. That's the thing you got right. Right. Here's the rub, though. They get to go on the record as voting against it, right? The GOP opposed the debt ceiling limit raise, right? Right. But they also get to raise the debt ceiling. It's, it's a two-for-one deal. They don't actually want to have to live within their means. They don't want to actually have to do their job, right? True. They don't right. ever want to actually do this. They want to be able to use this as a wedge issue. So this is actually three-pronged for the GOP. Number one, they get to go on record as actually opposing this. That's a win for them politically. Number two, they get to not have to do their job, which is a win for them politically. And number three, um, they get to use this as a wedge issue going forward. But you would think $2.5 trillion goes a long way, right? 
Not these days, it doesn't. It'll last you until February of 2023. So let's do the math here. June to July. October to November. November to December. December to January. January to February. <gasps> that lasts us eight months, Pat. Eight months. And what... What happens in February of 2023, most likely? Here's the other political calculation for the, 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 the ditch McConnells of the world. What's more, what's more likely to happen in February of 2023? The GOP is in charge. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, but wouldn't that actually be January? Right. They're already in charge as of right. February, right? Right. Do you actually think they're going to deal with the debt ceiling? Or do you think they're no, actually they going to deal have. with our debt? They never have. They, they, dude, right, because the they GOP. also oppose putting up Rand, Rand Paul put up a penny plan. I don't know if you saw this. He put up a budget. An actual budget. Now, his, his penny plan is not the penny plan of five years ago because a penny plan of five years ago, Pat, would have actually balanced the budget in five years. Okay? Take 1% of every, that's why it's called a penny plan. Take 1% of every agency from every agency. And in five years, you've got 5% decrease in those agencies' budgets, and you've got a balanced budget. But because we wanted to continue to kick the can down the road, it is now a six-penny plan. Every agency must do a 6% reduction every year for five years for, in order for us to balance the budget as it currently exists. And Republicans and Democrats are both to blame for it. And neither one of them are going to support that plan. But... Oh, hell no! Now, as Rand Paul pointed out, alternatively, what we could do here, and, and hear us out, hear us out on this, Pat. Here's another thing that we could do. Wait for it. <clears throat> Eliminate the Department of Education. Turns out if you just return the dollars back to the state, right? If they don't have to go to the federal level to flow back to the state, right? Right. Uh, you would balance the budget. But, but, but what Andrew, is the what is the that cost us? What was that? How many jobs would that cost us by limiting the Department of Education? Hear me out on this, Pat. Just yeah, as I uh -huh. have said about um, the people who are more jobs in the oil industry or in fossil fuels, right? Right. Uh -huh, yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. What happened when the railroads went belly up, basically? What happened when it became the car instead of the rail? <gasps> the people who lost their jobs on the rails? Um, there was this whole new industry that they could get jobs in. Oh my god! It, it's almost as if, as our economy transitions to different things all the time, 20 years ago, if you told somebody that um, one of the most highest paid positions in an organization would be a social media manager, 
or more importantly, the manager of a social media department, they would have said, what the hell is a social media? Dude, my job didn't exist 15 years ago. Podcasts barely exist 15, 20 years ago. Right. They were seen as a novelty. They were seen as kind of this weird, you know, what the hell are you talking about? The point of the matter is this. We have unserious people in a very unserious Congress during a very serious time. Pat, I would suggest stop crying. It'll be okay. We will be okay if we get our bleep together. I just, I just want a balanced budget and why for my allergies to stop bugging me. That, that's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. All right. So I also have a truth or fiction for you because this is truth or fiction. Somehow we oh, haven't boy. gotten to one yet. Okay. Um, truth or fiction. Elon Musk won't end up owning Twitter. Oh, that's a tough one. Because he, he is fighting pretty hard for it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that that... I want it, I want, I'm, I'm hoping it's false or, or, or fiction. I, I really do. But everything in me is saying that that's going to be truth. Okay, why? Um... Because I think it's going to end up being more of a fight than what it's worth. Okay. I believe it's truth as well. I would like it to be fiction, but I believe it's truth. And here's why. Because Twitter put itself in terms of its board of directors and its um, upper management in a rock and a hard place. And what do I mean by that? They put themselves in that position because legally their fiduciary duty is to what? The shareholder, right? Right. Okay. And in order to um, fulfill that duty, they had no choice but to accept Elon Musk's offer because the valuation of the company was way more um, advantageous and way more than their actual value, right? Again, right. It's the same it's the same thing that I give advice to people in real estate. I can tell you what I believe your home to be worth. But in the end, your home is worth what the people who want to buy your home are willing to pay for it. You don't dictate anything in the marketplace other than the condition of your home and what you are willing to accept for your home. But there has to be a buyer willing to make that offer. And if you don't want to accept it, that is on you. But I can't do anything about what the market or the the buyer pool thinks of your home. I can't do anything about that. I can assist you in making your home look as attractive as possible, whether that's reality or being able to stage it or whatever, right? I can do those things for you. To attract as many people and as much dollar power as possible. But at the end of the day, if somebody values your home at $200,000 and you think it's worth $250,000, 
what am I going to do about that? Right? What can I do when a buyer pool says, no, no way, I'm not attracted to that home. Or I am attracted to that home and I'm going to get 50 offers on it. I can't do anything about that either, by the way. I can help you manage those 50 offers when they come in and sort through and figure out which ones are the most attractive and which ones aren't and give you strategy and things like that. And, and that's what I always tell people, right? I am your advisor. I am your concierge. I am not the person who is going to find you the home. I am going to give you the search parameters that are most attractive to your must-haves, right? I'm going to cater that search there. I'm not going to manhandle your search. I am here to make sure that we go from search to close. That is the difference in a real estate agent. But for the GOP, right, or for Elon Musk in Twitter, <clears throat> as I'm talking about this, their goal must be to close this deal, right? Unfortunately right. for them, they have skirted their fiduciary duty to their shareholders, and that's the rock in a hard place. Because if they really do open up the books and open up the algorithms and open everything up like Elon Musk is asking them to do, rightfully so, by the way, if you are a prospective buyer, it's the same thing as a home, right? If you have a condo, I need the docs. I need the proof of ownership. I need this. I need that. And I am entitled to it. That's the, the word title, right? Right. Elon Musk is entitled to all of that. But if if they have been representing that only 5% of their um, their user base or less than that is um, is bots, right? Um, if they've been representing that and it's not true, that devalues the the value of the company, right? Right. And more importantly, if Twitter has known that, but they've continued to file that with the uh, the SEC, that's a problem. Yep. Then, secondly. This also exposes them to having to open up their books to somebody who is willing to tell the truth. They're in the rock in a hard place because they have one duty. They don't want to expose themselves to that duty. On the other hand, because it would suggest that they're a failing company. It would suggest that they've been fudging the numbers. It would suggest that they've done some things that are um, punishable by law because they violated their fiduciary duty. So, so here's a question: mm -hmm. If you're if you're any company for this for that matter, and mm -hmm. you have Elon Musk coming in, and you have the potential to to by by selling to him to expose that. Hey, we've really screwed up. We're a failing company. We've probably broken some laws here. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you want to open up to someone like Elon Musk even more? Because right, you would think that. But here's the other rub on this: they also believe that Elon Musk is not a a good faith actor. They believe that what he's trying to do is open those books up and open those algorithms up so that he can understand the the inner workings of the business. Turn around, say thank you, but no thank you, and then create his own. So, so you would rather, so in other words, what, so what you're saying is, they, 
they would rather basically crash and burn and blow up in a volcano than let Elon Musk bring them out of what could be their own crisis. Again, objective versus subjective reality. We know this right. about the, the people who run that company. We know. In fact, the CEO of the company wants to work with Elon Musk because it turns out he really doesn't believe some of the stuff that um, the board of directors – because this has also been the plan of leftism for a long time. What have they done? They've taken over corporate boardrooms. They've made corporate boardrooms force wokeness down the throat of of every company. And when you own the Fortune 500 boardrooms, the rest of those dominoes down the economy fall. <clears throat> so I, I fully believe this is true. I, I don't think Elon Musk ends up owning Twitter because I think what he's going to find out is Twitter's not worth the paper it's written on. I don't. The only value I see in Twitter is it is a space for people. It is a passion project that turned into a company. And again, this is the whole point. What is the value of Twitter? There's nothing. There's no real monetary value to Twitter. The monetary value to Twitter, to Facebook, to um, other organizations. Why does Google really make money? It doesn't make money off of advertising as much as people think. It makes its money off of data mining and its ability to sell the data that it collects on you and me and everybody else, right? But Twitter's data value is worth nothing if 20, 30% of its user base is just bots. It doesn't have much value. More importantly, how do you create value out of Twitter? Facebook has been able to create some value in its organization based off of its ability to advertise and its ability to sell advertising and its ability to collect money for other things, right? It has become a diversified business. Twitter is not. So I think at the end of the day, what Elon Musk is going to find out when they open those books up, if they ever do, is that, oh, bleep. This company's worth nothing. Now, your truth or fiction for today. My truth or fiction for today, I'm going to go with this one. We could have the Roe versus Wade decision coming down at any point in time in the near future. It, it, it is a possibility. However, truth or fiction, <clears throat> the... Pro-life identification is at the lowest level since, say, the mid-90s. Mm. I'm going to go with fiction, and here's why. Okay. Um, Generation Z has its largest identification of pro-life in history of any young generation, okay? So when those generations are young, when they're 18 to 24, let's say that, okay? It is the strongest it has ever been. In number two, um, there's a, I, I think I know what poll you're going to be talking about here, but I want to counter this real quick because um, when you look at um, the the polling that has been done about President Biden and his stance on abortion, he is underwater. 61% of Americans disapprove of his stance on abortion. 61% disapprove. Only 39% approve. We see, so he's a, 
The only thing that I think he's above water on um, is his handling of Ukraine. On any topic that is important in American life today, he is underwater with the exception of Ukraine. And even then, it's only 52 or 51%. I was going to say, he's not even handling that, right? So I don't know. So I don't know. So pro-life self-identification versus handling a Roe versus or handling of abortion. Right. So I, I personally tend to agree with you. Um, I, I do believe this. I mean, because we are a nation of political will. We are not a nation of laws, right? As Steve Dace is famous to say, yes. Right. So, mm-hmm. so why would, why would we have the whole Roe versus Wade conversation then if we are not, of the political will that that we are more of a pro-life country than than we've ever been before that that's, that would be my question right and i think the counter to that uh real quick pat would just simply be because you are able to pack a court with the right demographic um is all that matters uh, does it though because i mean look at roberts and look at kavanaugh so yeah, but I would argue Kavanaugh has been way better than Roberts. Well, I, I don't disagree, but but they have all held pretty pro-life stances. Mm. And when you've got a 6-3, do you take that shot? I mean, you would you you would I would hope so. You but shoot it again, right? Because so, let's but, also remember this, Pat. This has been the first time in almost a decade that uh that an actual abortion law case came before the supreme court yeah that all the, all those are good points by the way and, 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 and I, I can certainly see the counter argument and i want i want people to understand this about the pro-life movement one of the the greatest things that they've been able to do and accomplish for all of the big baby bull crap that we've talked about right within washington dc on a state-by-state level what they've really been able to accomplish is this we're going to we're going to ask to pass law and we're going to we're going to jam the courts all the way to the Supreme Court and then we're going to have that fight there that being all that being said um there's a poll are you that, dancing uh, on it wh- what are you dancing I'm on not, that no, poll no no Ew, gross not not even ashley wants to see that Dude, I don't even want to see that. In any case, there's a poll that largely conducted a, in the wake of the Supreme Court draft opinion that would overturn Roe versus Wade using public going public shows that support for legal abortion is at a near record high in the U.S. 55% of respondents in the most recent, and take this for what it's worth, Andrew Coppins, Gallup poll identified as pro-choice up to up six percentage points from spring of 2021. The poll's record high year pro-choice identification was 1995 when it stood at 56%. That year was the only other time it has been at the current level or higher, notes the Gallup poll. Hmm. Um, well, I would have to take a look at the methodology. I would have to take a look at the demographics of the poll. Sure. Um, 
Because here's the, here's the rub. I have a feeling they underrepresent the 18 to 24 crowd, and I think they overrepresent um, the, the middle of the pack, and they might even overrepresent the uh, female population, especially the the suburban Karen population, if you will. I, and, and, I, and that's I, always how it's going to happen here. I, I tend not to trust polls from Gallup much now, anymore. Now, I would also do this. I would also um, take the poll again right now. Because the, I guarantee you that number goes down. Right. And, and I have talked about this um, when it comes to the release of, of their decision in um, Jackson Women's Health, right? Mm. They should have done one of two things. Either just release it, whatever that decision is, if, if you have a consensus decision, release it. Right. Right away. Uh-huh. Or wait until the very last day. Release it. Because then that gives you an opportunity, number one, to see what, what security apparatuses need to happen, um, what types of craziness is going to go on, right? Right. Um, and I also have that theory about the leak. The leak was was because they wanted to attempt to expose what the other side of the, the aisle would do. That's part of my theory on this. I, I still think it was the left. But I think it, if it was the right, it's done at the behest of, hey, guys, I don't think you understand what you're going to come up against here. So right. I'm going to leak this so you understand it. Um, but that having been said, um, I, I don't buy this poll. Um, I don't either. Because the more people understand abortion and the more people understand uh, life and what we understand to be viability, what we understand about the reproduction um, cycle and what we understand about the growth of a baby, the less people support it. That's just the reality of the situation. We have, yeah, I I just, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I I know so many Gen Zers who are pro-life and they're badly misrepresented by a lot of these polls. Uh, badly, badly. They skew Gen Z way too far democratic um, most of the time. I, I'm not buying it, especially given the numbers that I gave you earlier. How are you underwater on abortion? What? what how is Joe Biden underwater on abortion? Right. Are, there's not enough people pissed off about like some sort of weird handling of it on, an, on a Joe Biden level to make that number that low. It doesn't work. Mm-mm. So we'll see what happens here. But um, you have any final thoughts on today's show? Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And I, I did not vote for the uh, house plan chief. Please be smart. Be safe. Be kind. As always, Matthew 547.